Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis with the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, this is a, a TriCast, WABC Radio, 770 on your dial, and WLIR, and 970 AM, The Answer. And we have a common sense audience today. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg representing the Democrats. And uh, Judge, good to have you here. And two common sense Republicans. We have Governor George Pataki and Congressman Peter King. Where uh, rumors are King's Highway was named after his family. I, I think it was. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Lydia Serrani, my sidekick here. And uh, and look, before we start calling in any uh, other people, let's discuss amongst ourselves what the heck happened yesterday in the primary. Um, a lot of things happened in the Democratic primary. A lot of things happened in the Republican primary. And the Democratic primary, we can call in... Uh, we can call in Reverend Al Cockfield to give us an explanation. Or uh, in the Republican primary, we could also uh, talk to uh, uh, the ch- current chairman. What, Nick Langworthy. Can, Nick I, Langworthy. can I ask Governor Pataki, what the heck happened with the Molinaro-Ryan race in upstate New York? Wasn't Molinaro supposed to win at least by four to five points? And now, I mean, it's he very lost, close. Well, he well, lost by two points. Yeah, yeah, Lydia, I think a lot of that was hype ahead of time by the Democrats to – to be able to paint it as as more symbolic and important than it is. You had two popular candidates, one the Ulster County Executive, the other Dutchess County Executive. Ulster also had three different Democratic primaries. So there was a very disproportionate, massive turnout of Democrats in Ulster County, which was Ryan's home county, and that provided the margin of difference uh, in the victory over Molinaro. Uh, now, uh, 2% like, difference is, is only 2,000 votes, Lydia. Right. And, so and that's other, not a lot of votes. That's exactly votes. right. And the other point is that, like across this state, the turnout was abysmally low. Yeah. And, you know, you have an election on August 23rd. How many people are going to actually There's go out? There's nobody around. Run? It's only the most active people who are, and the most political people are going to go out. So I don't think this is a harbinger of November. Uh, the one thing we know for sure is everything's going to change between now and then. And so I think also it can be a wake up call for Republicans. It's not going to be a free ride to uh, massive victories. I think it's going to be 50 50 all the way. Agreed. Biden's numbers are going up. Republican numbers are starting to slip a bit. And so we were up. We were guaranteed Every, everybody to win 30 has to work. seats. Now everybody now everybody has to work hard. What yeah, about Ryan's uh, abortion ad? I think that was very powerful. I, you don't normally hear that's about the that. Democrats abortion ad. Yeah. What, what did he say? Well, I mean, he was saying that we're for women's rights, reproductive rights, and then uh, conspicuously yeah. Molinaro didn't say anything. And, right. re- and Republicans are going to take him away. Well, that's how they portrayed uh, it, and which isn't true. They, uh, which isn't true, but uh, it, that was portrayed and it wasn't responded to. But I think what Peter just said, Peter King, uh, about Republicans can't take for granted that there's a wave. You have to fight for every vote in every single district if we're going to win this November. I think that's the clear message here. Uh, did you see Judge Weinberg, Carolyn Maloney, and the Jerry Nadler turnout? It was pathetic. Now, you were very close because you live in Manhattan, too. Uh, yeah. Judge, uh, I know, and I know Jerry and, and, and Carolyn very well. I, I know both of them very well. Jerry Nadler, uh, uh, they're both friends, and, and I stayed out of it because they're both friends. And uh, why did uh, Jerry Nadler wallop uh, Carolyn Maloney so I'll, badly? I'll give, you, I'll give you a few reasons. Number one, Carolyn's base is the Upper East Side. The person who ran against her twice before and made good showings. 
guy named Patel took away from her votes on the Upper East Side. That's number one. Number two, the West Side Democratic Club, Community Free Democrats, is uh, the strongest Manhattan club for the for the Democrats. Number three, Jerry, for for whatever reason, good or bad, was one of the faces, along with Adam Schiff, of the impeachment proceedings, and they hate Donald Trump in Manhattan. But I, think, I think there's a fourth thing as well, and that was the endorsement of the New York Times. A lot of Democratic voters just wait and decide how they're going to vote based on what the New York Times says. So Certainly in the west side of Manhattan they do it, yeah. yeah. Does it's anybody really listen to newspapers anymore? Uh, uh, primary voters in the Democratic yeah. Party, the Times endorsement, uh, most endorsements don't matter anymore. That still matters in Democratic primaries. Well, and, you know, like Dan Goldman won uh, the 10th congressional exactly right. primary. Well, it's still open, but it's, it's no, still No, no, they said now he won it. That's what that just was a short, short time where ago. where there's no question in the Times endorsement made the difference there. So, you know, but he squeaked uh, that one by. And how much did he spend? $25 million, I heard? Right, and that woman that he beat, I mean, she's she's whack. She's, Crazy, crazy left. Now, they're probably the only two districts in the state where the Times endorsement that's right. well, would mean so much. Well, speaking of the crazy do. lefts, yeah. you know who knows them all too well? Reverend Cockfield, he's on the line with us right now. He was supporting a lot of common sense uh, Democratic candidates, and he's going to give us the pulse on how everything went down last night. Reverend Cockfield? Reverend, give yes. us give us the give us the pulse of what happened in the Democrat. Well, we had the, the governor and Peter King talking about the Republicans. Tell us what happened in the Democratic primaries. Listen, I think what happened is we have a lot of people who, uh, first of all, we had a primary in August, which never happens. June primaries are still new to the state, but it's been, we've had it for some time now, even with congressional races first, before the state moved over to June and the city city elections moved to June. But to go from June, September to June to August, that is a problem within itself. Very, very low turnout. Uh, very, very low turnout. We're talking about, you know, 150, 200,000 uh, registered voters, even in the 21st Senatorial District, and he won with 10,000. So a lot of people didn't show up to vote, vote which is a, which is probably going to be a problem even later on for the general election. But those wackos, uh, they didn't win all the seats, but they won some. Understood. Uh, I understand the scoreboard. We, when we spoke before, uh, uh, the scoreboard won, uh, was uh, – uh, three, 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 three common sense uh, people won, and four socialists. Socialists won. Correct. So out of Correct. seven, Correct. out of seven, four uh, socialists out of seven. And uh, I remember on the assembly race, it was out of the nine people AOC endorsed, seven lost. Correct. Correct. So again, if we had the Senate and congressional races in June with them. I think we would have had a much different um, outcome in the state Senate races. This is going to hurt. This is Reverend uh, Richard Weinberg. This is going to hurt Stewart Cousins in her caucus. It's going to put more pressure on her. She's been going left anyway. Yelling and screaming that uh, uh, that uh, she's got less control out of anybody. Well, she she real ha- she has a real problem because she has a crazy Reverend, left consensus. Reverend, what do you hear? I think Generis is the one that runs that uh, chamber at times. You know. Yes, he's down with the left. You know, the lefties are the ones that's controlling the chamber. You know, I think the judge is right, Reverend, that uh, Stuart Cousins is going to have a hard time. But the state of New York she's is going to have a hard Democrat, time. She's a moderate Democrat, but, you know, you have a lot of members that are not moderate. I that's mean, right. we've seen over the years they have to you have to work with who you have, right? And so if you want to get moderate stuff done, she's got to work with the 
with the socialists and help them with their with their agenda. And, no, uh, this this does not bode well for the future of New York next year. Now, Reverend Cockfield, one of the races that really concerned me was that Kristen Gonzalez, who beat out Elizabeth Crowley there in Queens. She's only 26 years old. She's saying socialism wins and we're not going to stop until this is a socialist state. I mean, really? Like, that, way, is you know frighten- she that frightens me before, to my core. Before she ran for the Senate, you know who she worked for? Oh. This great anti-capitalist? She worked for American Express. She- Right. And she's for she did. She wants to prohibit evictions, empty the jails and you name it. I mean, send her to Cuba, Venezuela and call it a day. Does that frighten you that there's like this kind of a mini socialist wave last night? It's it's extremely concerning to not just me, but to a lot of the immigrants who who've come to this country, work hard, buy homes, sacrifice, open up businesses. And they have this attitude that it doesn't matter you shouldn't get your rent. We should live. No one should own property. This it's just public. Let everybody out to jail. No, it's it's reckless. It's 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 a disaster. And as you said, someone said on the court the show earlier, it's wacky. Yeah. Well, I, I said the good news is Biagi lost. I said to uh, uh, her uncle the other day, uh, Mario Biagi. Uh, junior, I guess, uh, junior. Mm-hmm. And I said, your, your father <laughs> must be turning over in his grave to have a, a grand niece like that. I mean, uh. John, but- you must have made an impression because Mario called me and told me about meeting you on the sidewalk. Well, enough is enough. I mean, whoever you know- doesn't like the United States of America, Please. I will personally pay them a one-way ticket to Venezuela. One thing I know about John, he tells it like it is. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. Absolutely. Well, we, if you don't like this, the, the state, you don't like the way we operate, you leave. don't have to live here. Yeah. Leave. Leave. Get out of here. All right. Well, thank you so well, much, Reverend you, Cockfield. Thank you, Reverend, and we'll talk to you again soon. And keep All right, fighting, John. Thank you. Keep fighting for justice. Uh, I understand now we have uh, the chairman of, um, of the New York State GOP, uh, Nick Langworthy, and uh, he had a big win last night. Uh, uh, Mr. Chairman, give us, tell us what happened. Hey, John, thank you so much for having me back. But I've been a candidate for Congress uh, for about 80 days now with a a newly opened district, which is uh, western New York in the southern tier. And we had a a big uh, primary victory uh, where we were able, uh, you know, to defeat Carl Palladino, uh, who is a very widely known name. Uh, And now we're on to November. Hey, Nick, this is Pete King. Congratulations. When did you know you won? Because all the numbers I saw until 1 o'clock had you losing, and suddenly you won actually you know, by four points, which is you know, good did votes. You, did, you have, like that. did you have extra votes come in from Nassau County? Pennsylvania. <laughs> we, we were very fortunate to have great support in the southern tier counties along the Pennsylvania line. The early numbers that came out were out of Erie County. Uh, and, and Carl had a, a tremendous amount of support there and, and, and ran up a pretty large um, margin against me. In the southern tier counties, those more rural communities, took a long time to come in. So it was a little more dramatic, our comeback. But we ended up with a decisive victory uh, in the primary, you know, four points. Uh, and, and he has conceded the race. So we're on to November. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. You're chairman. Uh, you're still chairman. Uh, uh, what happens you when if you win for Congress, you have to give up your chairmanship? I mean, I don't have to, but I will. Um, you know, when, when we get sworn into Congress, I mean, I just think it would be uh, uh, too much uh, probably on my family to try to, you know, wear both hats. 
uh, of serving in Washington and then trying to serve the whole state. And that's, um, you know, we're, we're expecting another child. So I don't think that that's something that I can be pulled in, in that many directions, but we are, you know, we're focused uh, like a laser on trying to change the state in, in working every day with, you know, Congressman Zeldin to win this governor's race and in our entire ticket. We got to break the supermajority so we can get some common sense criminal justice policies back on the books. Uh, but, you know, what we did last night is, is clean this ticket up uh, so we don't have distractions, no more drama. And, and we're going to run on the issues that are important to New Yorkers. Uh, Nick, this is George Pataki. Congratulations. You're going to win the race. You're going to be in Congress and you're going to be a great voice for New York. But I have to thank you because every Republican candidate would have to explain their position on Carl Palladino if you hadn't won this race. He's made some outrageous comments. And the way the left operates is they try to stick those comments on every other candidate. And by clearing the field, by winning this race, Nick, you have done every other Republican candidate uh, a real favor. So congratulations. Good luck in Washington and congratulations on the on the new child. No, thank you very much, Governor. I really appreciate it. One we last just, we question. Bring some stability back. Uh, one last question, uh, maybe two. Uh, what went wrong in uh, Rockland County with the uh, well, the Molinaro race? The Molinaro race. The Molinaro Ryan he, race. He lost you know, by I two think- points. Here's here's a problem with these special elections. This is a new law where the governor has to call a special election. Uh, they're compelled to. So we had one in my territory in New York 23, but the old boundaries. And, and just like that, with Delgado resigning Congress, he uh, they had to call that special election. Meanwhile, you have candidates running for a lame duck term for a territory they're not running for in November. Several of the very left-leaning Democratic counties in the Molinaro district had highly contentious Democratic primaries underneath them. They're not even going to be in the Molinaro district he's running for in the fall, and he's going to be running against a completely different opponent. So, you know, this law where the governor must call a special, it had a real bad quirk in it where they had to call a special for a five-month lame duck tenure there's going to be 27 days of votes in congress and all of this was for not much Understood. so where you hate to lose anything it was really of zero consequence because marcus is running in completely different territories several different counties uh, the new districts in and against a completely different opponent uh for, for the november election one 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 last thing and we're going to talk about it with you and we have two minutes left and everybody here in the studio uh president biden has said that he's going to give away uh, $300 billion, which is great for him. I mean, uh, I love it because uh, a ten th- all the students are going to get $10,000 gifts. Now, I'm going to give you my interpretation. He's waiting for the Republicans to say, no damn way. It'll be the same thing that happened down in Georgia. In Georgia, they said, we're going to give all you guys in Georgia $2,600 next week if you vote for us. McConnell said no, Trump said no, and guess what? Even the Republicans voted for the Democrats. The problem was Trump said yes and screwed the Republicans. Well, they're all full of uh, – how, how do you say they're all – I mean, I just hate that we have a continuation of these yeah, policies. They're full of crap. That, that, are, that are absolutely trying to teach our next generation that there's such a 
thing is a free lunch in this country. Yeah. If you make bad decisions, you got to live with them. Yeah. And and we're never going to have accountability as Americans if we're wiping away bad decisions. Well, right now, I think he's daring the Republicans. He's daring the Republicans. And George Pataki, I'm going to ask you, too. He's daring the Republicans to say no. So that he'll tell everybody, see, Republicans want to take away your $10,000 credit. But, where, but where does it end? Are they going to forgive our Forget mortgage payments it. next? Well, this, this, this. For the... No, I think they should forgive everything. <laughs> this is what Biden's all about. Giving away other people's money. Forgive, forgive our mortgages, too. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Why Can not? they forgive my mortgage? Well, well, we have, we've had a rent moratorium where you haven't had to pay your rent. So why should you have I to pay your to college tuition? I want to forgive my mortgage. They, they had, they had an interview If this you're afternoon. black or Hispanic, they'll forgive your mortgage. Or if you're indigenous. No, let's not start the, uh, that. I don't know, but it could let's start. Let's not start that. But you know what you're going to do? They're going to they're gonna say, see, the Republicans want to take it away the $10,000 I want to give you. All right. I'm a Democrat, and I'm telling you, it's a bad idea. It's bad economics, and they shouldn't be I doing it. And it's illegal I to am, do it. It's, it's, How does he it have the authority illegal, to do it? But give them, they want the $10,000. Let's not make their day and say well, no. $300 billion you're giving away. That's All right. Hey. And you're, and you're borrowing When we lost Georgia, we lost Georgia, they gave away $5 trillion. We lost because of Donald Trump. We, we lost, lost $5 trillion when they, we lost Georgia. He told and, every Republican to vote against it, then he hey. said vote for it after it was too late. Well, he, he was wrong. Yeah. He was wrong, but Mitch McConnell was wrong, too. Trump told him to vote no. Trump's the guy that created the whole Since thing. Since when does Mitch McConnell listen to Trump? Give me a break. They had to at that stage because yeah. they put all the senators on the line. Trump said no, and then he said yes. He 30 seconds left, Governor. This is terrible policy. It's totally unfair to those who actually paid off their college debt. It's totally unfair. I think we should refund the money to them, too. I want uh, my money back. Right they didn't now. pay it, though. And it's also unfair the people to that the pay people. should get their money back. What about the people who haven't gone to college right. and who have to pay right. taxes so that someone who spent five years uh, living high on a campus doesn't have to pay their debt back? And you know, every business in this city is struggling to get employees. Why should you work when the government's going to give you whatever Governor, you need? You're correct. That's socialism. Governor, you're correct. But. They're trying to, they're trying to create that. Totally you know understand. Yeah, we you can't know, keep backing down to these guys. There's a reason it's two and a half months let's before take, an election. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Dr. Peter Michalos, Nick Langworthy. Congratulations and thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidi's Cats at Night show where we're all fired up. We might need some we're blood pressure medication. We, we need Dr. Nicholas. We, we, we need a fire extinguisher to calm us down. Blood pressure. Somebody get a fire extinguisher in here. We need to be calmed down. We're all too hot. John but, uh, wants free money. That's what it comes to. No, we're we're going to give you a refund. On the TV. Please, if you pay the money, we're going to give I you a refund. Dr. Michalos. How are you going to keep us alive longer? Well, first of all, I'm going to buy a water cooler at WABC. <laughs> and it up with Xanax, so you're each going to take a sip before you enter studio, and uh, it'll help keep it calm. But today, we're going to talk about some very interesting things because we've been talking about longevity and how to try to stay longer. Uh, so our listeners are a little ahead of the game because the news came out from the CDC that the average life expectancy of Americans dropped by 1.8 years. So the average life expectancy has dropped for Americans to 76.6. Just to give you an idea 
Wow, 76.6. Listen, Peter and I are leaving the room. Peter and I, let the record reflect that Congress and I are leaving the room. Italy, 83.2 years. It's the olive oil. 4.36 years. What's Hawaii? What's Hawaii? Hawaii is the highest for the United States. They're the highest with 80.7. So they're uh, they're doing pretty good right now. How about if you live on the ocean in Coney Island? <laughs> well, if you live on the ocean in Coney Island and you eat healthy food, you can uh, and listen to WABC. Uh, you probably will do well. But it's uh, very interesting. And Dr. Patrick uh, Kakor at the Mailman Public School of Health at Columbia University basically said what happened uh, was COVID obviously had a big impact on life expectancy, but we've also seen a major hit with the drug overdoses and fentanyl that are coming through the mail and through the border. And there are thousands of deaths now every month in the United States from overdoses. And we have these new rainbow-colored candy type of fentanyls that are also killing people. <coughs> Another thing is the delays in health care. Like people aren't getting their colonoscopy, mammograms, pap smear tests. People, when they were short of breath, they were afraid to go to the hospital and ended up dying at home from pneumonia and things like that that normally would not happen because of the fear of going into a hospital. So, so Doctor, what's the good news? <laughs> you know, I, wait a second. You're terrifying us here. Well, no, the good news is that if you try to eat healthy, don't smoke, automatically it adds 10 years to your life. If you can eat a plant-based diet with some fish, that automatically adds another couple of years to your life. If you can avoid, you know, fatty meat that's shot up with estrogen that they make the cows grow larger and you can try to eat things like grass-fed beef instead of uh, regular beef if you buy milk that's got hormone less of hormones and it's not uh, filled up with all these uh, estrogens that make the cows larger and the antibiotics that they feed the chickens and you can eat free-range chicken all these things add up why because when you eat the antibiotics that the chickens were fed it goes into your gut microbiome and it destroys a lot of the good bacteria that we need to promote immunity and our health in our gut. So these are all things that we're learning now. And also we have an obesity epidemic. In 1960, 10% of the United States was obese. Now 40% of the United States is obese with the data that just came out recently. And we now know that 78% of the COVID deaths were in people who had an elevated body mass index. So these are all things that we can work on to incentivize us to uh, stay healthier and eat healthier and eat less often. John and I have talked about often about the intermittent fasting. When they the study first started in uh, mice, they gave mice 2,000 calories to eat over a 24-hour period. The other set of mice only ate the 2,000 calories in a three-hour window. They lived 30% longer. So it's not just how much you eat. It's actually when you eat. We now know that when you let your gut rest for 16 hours, so if you only eat between noon and 8 and don't eat the next day till noon and start at lunch, those 16 hours are critical for longevity because your body says, okay, I'm going to focus on healing, repair, going after cancer cells. When you're constantly grazing, what happens is your body and intestine says, I'm not focusing on doing cleanup work. You know, and that's that's another thing that we now know, and it's being studied extensively. Dr. Mikolos, as you speak, I'm looking at John Fetterman, the uh, candidate there for Pennsylvania, and he's a young guy, and he suffered a stroke. I mean, he doesn't seem all that well. And meanwhile, you know, Dr. Oz is significantly older, and he looks like he needs a lot better shape. So that kind of goes to your argument that you can be chronologically older, but you can be a lot healthier because you have a healthier lifestyle. Well, if you're on the right diet... 
you could be as much as 20 years younger uh, organically or biologically than your calendar age. Is yeah. that correct, uh, doctor? Yeah, you can actually do a measurement. There's an in and inner age test by Inside Tracker, and you can they swab your mouth or even through your blood test, they can tell your biological age. Your chronological age is how many times you went around the sun. Your biological age is the condition of your body. And your mental age is how young you feel. And now you can do blood tests and That's see amazing. what your biological age is, make changes, and you can improve your biological age and extend your health span. It's not only about lifespan, it's about quality of life. And what we want to do is uh, expand our health span. And that's why you got to listen to WABC to get all the help. I'm having the olive oil. I'm having, uh, uh, you know, honey. I'm having a dark chocolate once in a while. What else? uh, Well, this week we're going to do a big stem cell conference, too, with WABC. And we're going to learn and we're going to report back next week on what we learned from the stem cell conference. And this is not feeling WABC is having a stem cell conference this Friday. If any of my friends want to come to it, just email me or text me and we'll get you the information on it. And Dr. Mihalos will be there to give us more advice. Dr. Mihalos, thank you. And uh, we're going to take a break right now. And uh, we have Lou Dobbs to give us the financial report. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, John McLaughlin, the pollster of all pollsters, uh, McLaughlin and Associates. How, how are you, John? You had a good night last night, right? Right. And and by the way, it's it's always good because I'm listening to you with with Governor Pataki and Pete King and the congressman it made me look good for years. And we rode Governor Pataki's coattails for elections. So uh, so the Republicans may be getting back into form. So we'll see. So also on the line right now is Hank Schenkoff to talk about the Democrats. How are you, Hank? He's a political analyst. I, I'm feeling wonderful today. Thank you. Okay, so where do we start, Congressman King? Yeah, say, Hank, I was. Uh, this is Pete King. I was with you, I guess, a month ago, and you told me exactly what was going to happen in the primary between Jerry Nadler and uh, Carol Maloney, and uh, you hit it right on the head. Well, you know, it's sometimes it's awful to be correct. I, I also, you know, said about that uh, Goldman nonsense in Brooklyn that he would win on John's show last week because. Because, you know, money talks and, you know, it works. It's, uh, and the Times interfered there and, in, and with, uh, with Nadler and Maloney. And the, um, the interesting one, though, is, the, is Molinaro and Ryan. Because that, um, that, I think, typifies, I've said this before, a lot of what's going on. But, yeah, thanks for the compliment, Pete. I hope you've been doing well. Everything's good. What do you, John McLaughlin, they're talking about that the Molinaro-Ryan race is a bellwether. What do you think? Well, I worked at district for John Faso when he was the congressman, and the ironic part is there were 178,000 Trump voters in 2020 there, and Molinaro yesterday got 63,000 votes. So that means a lot of Republicans who voted for Trump, because it was a 50-50 district in 2016, and it was very close. It was a couple points in 2020. 
So there was a lot of Trump voters that did not come out. And when you look at the actual turnout, uh, I think as, as Governor Pataki was talking before, yeah, Ulster County had a big turnout higher than uh, about 13, 14,000 more votes than Molinaro's home county of Dutchess. But, but Ryan blew it out like two to one or 60-40 in Ulster. And in Molinaro's home county, he just squeaked by. You know, I have friends calling me today and saying they didn't see any TV ads attacking Biden and Pelosi from Molinaro. Mm. And his message if Trump voters stayed home and cost them this race, literally there's 115,000 Trump voters that were not motivated, who didn't come out, that cost them the race. And compare that to I was involved in Brandon Williams' race, where we were outspent badly, uh, and he, Brandon Williams was endorsed by the conservative party, and we beat Katko's, uh candidate uh, 58 to 42 in the Syracuse market in uh, New York 22. So – you know, they got their base. We got our base. If you don't play to your base and get it out in these special elections or primaries, you're going to lose. And the message was the message didn't motivate our base. And we've got to do it because statewide, uh, you're going to have six million voters probably come out in the midterm election. Just 13 million registered. If there's more Democrats than usual, we'll lose. If we get Democrats who reject uh, what what Governor Hochul's doing with cashless bail and high taxes, et cetera, Lee Zeldin can win. So it's a you know it's a battle for ideas. It's a debate, and you've got people in that in that in that studio there that have won those debates, and that's how they win elections. Yeah, John, this is George Pataki, and thank you for your help uh, when I was running all those times. And I have to say, yeah, we need our base, but we can't appeal to the base and alienate the middle, and particularly the Democrat voters that we need to win in a state like New York. And and sometimes that's a difficult act to follow. One big picture question. Two or three months ago, everybody's talking about the red wave. Biden's numbers were in the toilet. The generic ballot, Republican, Democrat, nationally was way positive Republican. Today, Biden's numbers are up, and the generic ballot is pretty much dead even. Uh, are we not going to see a red wave? Is this going to be just a real battleground state and a battleground election all over the country? Well, you got to watch the polls that are saying that his numbers are better because there was one, like Economist YouGov, they uh, uh, they had uh, the Democrats up six or five in the generic ballot. But when you looked at the internals, it was only 27% Republican nationally. We were 36% on Election Day in 2020. We were 33% in 2018 and 2016. So if you cut the Republicans five, seven, eight points, you're, you're, it's, it's a voter suppression thing. And it's really about money. They're trying to dry up the Republican money because we're the only ones really pay attention. The voters still come out. And look at what happened with Zeldin yesterday. You have this uh, online poll that uh, that Survey USA did, they were the ones who said Zelda was only going to win the primary by two points. Remember those polls had Giuliani winning and Giuliani might win? They were one of them saying Zelda was only up by two points right before the primary. We won by 21. Now they're saying Hochul's up 24. By their barometer, we might be within five. So this is... Hank Shankoff, you wanted to... John has got righteous indignation on his side besides being a very fine pollster. And a very good man, and I'm happy to hear Governor Pataki is one of my one of my faves on the phone. Listen, the reality is that she's not up 24 points. My betting is the margin is somewhere atop of 14, which would be unmute, which would be more close to reality, and is likely to drop if crime continues. The problem here is abortion, and going back to that race between Molinar and Ryan, 
it's the normal versus the normal that John was talking about, where people are not on extremes of either side of the party line. When that happens, the numbers start to go haywire. If things get more in the middle, it would stand to reason that Republicans will not have the large wave that they expected to have. That's the difference, and people should be paying attention to that. So the more normal this gets in discourse, i.e., the more Republican close to being the center, the more Democrat close to the center, the probably the turnouts won't be as good. And the Republicans will have a harder time getting elected. That's just that simple because it brings things back to where they're not supposed to be for the Republicans. That's my view. Hank, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. What do you think about the, uh, the four socialists winning in the, the state Senate races, and what's the impact of that going to be? Well, I think we we're going to miss the Republicans controlling the state Senate greatly, quite frankly. <laughs> the issue, you know, and labor unions did much better when we had, uh, as Governor Pataki will tell you, when we had split chambers, uh, regardless of what people will say. But what do I think? I think the state is in for a rough, rough ride. Why? We're going to have some serious financial problems in the city of New York next year. Unquestionably so. Um, anybody who denies that is frankly not being realistic. We need a state Senate that understands uh, that protecting our protecting the integrity of the state's finances is really important. These folks don't get it. And they yeah, also absolutely don't get it. Money. Uh, let me ask a question. This is John Casmatidis, and we went through it uh, with, with ourselves uh, a few minutes ago before you guys came on. Uh, what uh, President Biden did today, giving away $10,000 to everybody that went to college, I said, beware of what happened in Georgia where – uh, they came and gave away $2,600 to everybody. Vote for us in Georgia during the election in 2020. Vote for us, and we're going to give you $2,600 next week. And they delivered. So if the Republicans fight the $10,000, then, then, then it's going to go, it's going to go against us. It'll be just like Georgia. So I say, give them, leave it alone. Give them the 10000 And uh, if they asked us, the people that paid already, Give him a refund. <laughs> but, but, well, you got to laugh a little bit. Go first. <laughs> Hank, there you go. Hank. A, yeah, I, I want mean, a refund. I mean, but you know what it is? It's the national debt. I mean, when you look at it. Okay, so. Yeah, but you, but you people know, don't understand that, uh, John. John, John McLaughlin, no, no. people don't understand what, that. They just want what, money in their pockets. No, no. What they do understand no. is when they go to the supermarket, and the price of meat has doubled from last year. But that's when not to, that's not to next year. They get twenty six. They no. get ten thousand dollars in their pockets now. I no, think that could hurt us in close elections because uh, if you're going to knock off a Democrat for spending too much money, how, you know, why are people going to vote for you if you support a crazy program like this? Because they get ten thousand dollars in their pockets, and I'm asking for a refund. What I paid already. Democrats will keep control of the House. What do yeah, you think, Hank Shankoff? All right, let's let's talk to Hank Shankoff and let's talk to John McLaughlin. What do you guys think? About what? What's the real question you're asking? The $10,000. Should should Republicans stay silent on it or should they fight it? Like, you know, John is saying we should stay silent on it because we don't want to lose like we did in Georgia with the $2,600. The rest of the room here says, listen, this is a crazy policy. We have to fight it tooth and nail. We can't plunge ourselves further into debt. Hank Schenkoff, what do you think? What what would you rather have, hard politics or hard ethics? Okay, hard politics says we I'd rather have a win. Well, hold on, hold on. It's like if you put you put abortion on one side of the anchor, one anchor around one side of the neck, you put this thing around the an, another anchor around the other side of the neck. Why don't you just put your heads in the water and drown? It's not going to work. You know, you can take care of it later if you're in power, but if you're not in power, it won't matter. So you got to get in power first. <laughs> just that simple, guys. Just that simple. 
But the, but the reality, what I'm saying is the bigger problem is inflation, cost of living, taxes, et cetera. And what people are getting. Okay, if you so take I, a poll, John McLaughlin, if you take a poll and ask the next hundred people that walk by Third Avenue and you ask them about inflation, 90, 90, of, 90 of the hundred don't know what it is. I, that's not true. When okay. you talk to them about regular prices and you say to them, when you say when you say to them, we have a question in our national survey, are you struggling to make basic ends meet because of inflation? Forty three percent of all voters said yes. And when are you impacted by inflation but not struggling? Another thirty nine percent say yes. And they're they're the ones that are saying over seventy percent saying the country's on the wrong track. Fifty six percent say we're in a recession. And they give Joe Biden uh, a 59 percent disapproval job rating. But the Republicans have to run on that big picture and go after Biden and the Democrats and say, what are you going to do to lower inflation, lower prices, lower the cost of rents? What are you doing about that? If, if You're right. If you fight a, a, a small ball program on $10,000 a person, you're going to lose some of the votes. But on the bigger picture, everybody's getting hurt. And guess what? The average person, this is like their credit card. You run it up. They know they're going to have to pay taxes, and they're going to hold that against All you I know is when I lived on 135th Street, when they offered me a credit card with twenty or $30,000 on it, I took it. <laughs> well, that's, I'm how, about, that's how Christini's got that. That's how I built Christini's. I can't believe, John, you had enough credit that they'd offer you 20000 or 30000 line in of In those days, the bread man, I owed him bills for nine months. <laughs> I remember those years when you were around, John. I remember. Listen, go back a second. I'm thinking about something that, that John McLaughlin, certainly and I would understand, other people who have been on successful presidential campaigns as operatives. You know, thinking about the ads we write and create and the stuff we get up, we test. If we tell people, we challenge them to the moment of, to remember the way it was, right? They tend to mm-hmm. respond the way we want them to because they feel the emotion if the, if the imagery is right. So maybe, maybe John and Pete and the governor have the right idea, you know, that that trying to figure out if you can define for people what the pain was or what the pain could be, then maybe they'll want to run away from it. So that's not a bad idea. The question is, what, what's the alternative, okay? Governor I don't dispute your numbers on inflation, but elections are emotional. And I think the emotional driver of inflation was gasoline prices. They've come down. And I, I talk to a lot of people, not about politics, about life. And the sense that inflation is not as bad, even though the meat goes up and everything else goes up, the most visible thing that they see is gasoline prices. So I think the emotion of the inflation issue that was very real when gas was almost $5 a gallon is not the issue that it was. And without emotion, we're not going to win. Yeah, you're right. Guys, we're going to continue. Guys, we have to take a break, and we're going to continue to talk about it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Hank Shankoff, John McLaughlin. Thank you so much. We're going to take a break, and we'll have you on again real soon. So we're going to continue this discussion. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back, and we've had a fiery evening so far. And, uh, we've been, we had primary elections yesterday, and we've been going at it. And we have a special guest today. Uh, her name is Jan Warwick. She is from the U.K., from London. She is an assistant to the Prime Minister, Boris uh, Johnson, I believe. Uh, Jan, uh, welcome to New York, Jan Warwick. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay, so so it's great to be here in New York. It's absolutely fantastic. So I'm an English politician. 
I'm a county councillor and a city councillor, so I'm very much local government based. And I sit on the cabinet for Hampshire, which is, is an area in southern England, just below London. And I lead on climate change and sustainability and the environment. And Boris Johnson is, is the leader of the party that I represent, which is the Conservative Party in Great Britain, which actually is the, is the party of government. Now, we've got a very exciting thing going on at the moment, which is a leadership election. And it's not just the leader of the Conservative Party. That leader, that chosen leader, will become the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. So it's a very serious election for us. The, the bit that doesn't sit comfortably with the British public is the people who are going to choose that new leader, whether it's going to be Rishi Sunak or Liz Trust, are only the party members of the Conservative Party of Great Britain. And there are probably around about 160,000 of us only. So for a population of some 57 million people, a very, very small percentage will be choosing the next prime minister. Wow. And uh, if you were a betting person, uh, who do you think it's going to be? Well, if you follow the polls... They're saying Liz Truss, but, but I feel that Rishi Sunak, who many of you will have known, he was the Chancellor for Boris Johnson since the 2019 election, and he really led during the COVID, COVID response. So he was responsible for the furlough, which, which kept people in work or kept people, people, people's money going when people couldn't work during the COVID pandemic. So many people know Rishi, know him well. He was probably the front runner, but for the membership they seem to be more inclined to vote for Liz Truss, and that's what the bookies are telling oh, us. Is she the foreign secretary? What is she is. She's yeah. the foreign secretary. So both Rishi and Liz were on Boris Johnson's cabinet, so they're both sort of well-known politicians in Britain, and they both had very responsible roles. So whichever one of them takes over, we're in reasonably safe hands, I would say. We have a, we, we have a lot of people calling in, a few from the European community, and giving Americans an update. And uh, the Germans are worried about getting cold. They're, they're turning on their, uh, some of their coal plants. They're, they're burning wood. They're panicking. They're panicking so much where they're even declared, the European community has declared that nuclear energy may be green energy. Yeah. What say you about that? Well, I know you're, you're, you're a conservative that believes in the environment. Yeah. And, but nobody wants to be cold. Nobody wants to be cold. And, you know, that's so, so we've got a few big issues at the moment from the British perspective. One is obviously the leadership election. One is, is the war in Ukraine. So that's obviously and that's having an impact. But the third big is the cost of living. So inflation is going up in Britain as it is in many countries across the world. So that is significant. So, so that's a great concern. But, but heating, many of the houses in Britain are quite old. So many were, were built 100 years ago. So they're not well, well insulated. So one of our biggest carbon burns, if you like, is domestic heating and energy. And we rely heavily on gas in Britain. We don't have much natural oil, so we rely heavily on gas and heavily on electricity. I understand, too, that the French, who have the nuclear reactors, are only operating the nuclear reactors at 70%. Because there's not enough water to cool them. Exactly. So we've had a drought. I, you know, the, the temperature, Britain's normally quite a moderate climate. We had temperatures of over 40 degrees two weeks ago, which is unheard of. So, so we have a drought, so we can't water our gardens. So all those English lovely country gardens are dying off at the moment. So that's unusual. So we are seeing a changing climate, where, you know, whether that's a natural thing or whether that's, you know, as a consequence of CO2, whatever you believe. But the climate is changing and our infrastructure is quite old. So our drains 
can't cope with heavy downpour and rain. So we flood and then we have a drought. So we lurch from one crisis to another. So it, it's, an, it's an expensive thing to fix for us, certainly. Tell us, what else do you think the American people want to know? The European community, it looks like uh, President Putin wanted to be part of the European community, but we sort of chased him out, and he's getting closer to to China instead of staying close to the European community. Uh, What what is your opinion? Well, I think, you know, we'd always had a good relationship. So we've had Brexit in Britain, which you will have Heard, heard about. So Britain left the EU. We didn't leave Europe. We left that sort of organization that sort of manages you. Well, you didn't want to be invaded. Exactly. Well, we've had Nigel uh, Farage on, on, on this show. Well, he has some really and good he opinions. Says, <laughs> and Nigel, Nigel says, we didn't want to be invaded. No. And, you know, I think actually the cost of running the European Union was, was the, one of the biggest issues. The, 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 the statistic that Nigel always used to say was there were 120,000 EU officials that earned more than the British Prime Minister. So kind of <laughs> that can't be right. So so I think that sort of thing is, you know, nobody wants to see their money wasted. wasted. Exactly. So so it's all about that management. But but we have a really strong historic relationship with every European country and long may that last. So that's really important to us. Understood. And um, do you feel confident? I mean, all this stuff with the environment, and I, I respect your opinion uh, about the environment. I happen to be in the oil business and uh, that's the, you know, I feel a little bit differently. But I think that, uh, uh, the, 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 the countries that want, that don't have oil, like Germany, France, uh, China, uh, Korea, they want to have ba- cars made by batteries. Except all those, all those batteries are made by China. Yeah. You know, you're so right because, so, Having an energy strategy is really important. So you don't sort of think short term, you think long term. So where do we want to be? Where do our children and our grandchildren want to be? So, so in Britain, where we don't have that so much of that natural resource, we do have plenty of wind. And, and believe it or not, we, we do have sunshine. So, so for us, there are days now when 100% of the electricity in Britain comes from what we call renewable sources. So whether that's wind. If the sun is shining. Yeah, but we. But you, you wouldn't want you wouldn't you want to fly an airplane, uh, depending on the sunshine. No, and that you know, flight is probably the hardest circle to square, if you like. That that is the hardest one. So so you know, we have electric cars. Our air quality is getting a little bit better now. It's not great. Don't forget, we're really built up in Britain, so there's not so much green space as you have over here. So so air quality is an important one for for our youngsters. So so it's always going to be a challenge, but a long term strategy is key. understood. We have another problem in New York City. They want to charge congestion pricing. They want to charge everybody that comes over the bridge into the, uh, our little city here in Manhattan $23 every time you cross the bridge. Yeah. And uh, congestion pricing, I, m- Mike Blumberg said, I went to London, I love congestion pricing. How does congestion pricing work in London? Well, there's not so many cars in London now. Until, but, 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 you know... One thing I've noticed since you I... You have to be rich to have a car in downtown London now. Yeah, or you have an electric car where, where they don't charge you to come in. So that is an air quality, ah. it's an air quality issue in London because the air quality is dirty. But you have loads of cycles. I've noticed you have forest bikes all over New York. You probably don't call them that. But we call them city bikes, right? City bikes. Mm-hmm. It's great to see those. So in, in London for the congestion pricing, you if you have an electric car, you don't have to pay. Again, we're speaking with Jan Warwick. She works in the Boris Johnson, your cabinet member, for all those listening. Yeah, Thank you so yeah. much. So, so we encourage the cycles on flat areas. London's quite flat like New York, so it's, it's great. 
Well, well, I want to thank you for coming on today and, and briefing all New Yorkers and all Americans. We've got a million people possibly listening today. And, uh, and I love the U.K. I used to have an apartment there 20 years ago. No, wait, wait, wait. 40 years ago. My God. Am I that old already? No, no. Well, thank you, uh, Jan uh, Warwick, for being here. And thank you. I hope you enjoy your stay in New York. And thank you, Governor Pataki, Congressman Peter King, Judge Richard Weinberg, and my sidekick, Lydia Serrani. And we all work hard. You know why we work hard? We want our kids and grandkids to have a better life. And what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. God bless the world because we need God's blessing. Thank you so much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.